we are live. Okay. And if you're a fan of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast, well, that kind of makes sense because, you know, here you are. But you also know that I take the news every week and offer some insight, but I also try to make it a little fun little funny. And that's partially because that's who I am, but not entirely because you see this show is modeled after another show that I used to do called The Digit Daily. And that show was inspired by a Digit video series hosted and produced by my guest today. So in a way, if you like what you hear, you can blame or no, I mean, I think I definitely meant thank my guest, Allie Goldberg. Allie is a comedian and performer whose work is most widely known in the stand-up circuit and also on the show Two Girls, One Podcast. She's one half of that dynamic duo, and she's here to chat with me, Allison Goldberg. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So now, so as I mentioned in the intro, the like a large reason why I wanted to talk to you. Well, first of all, congratulations on being the first female guest of benefit of uh, Beyond a Doubt. Oh so wow! I appreciate that. <laughs> so you know, it's 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 nice to have a uh, how do they how do they put it? That uh, we've had a lot of sausages in this kind of can of beans, so mm-hmm. it's nice to have a, uh, a, a, a a it's nice to have someone from the fairer sex along so Mm -hmm. thank you very much for that but also i look forward to being judged on behalf of all women absolutely and we look forward to judging great so uh, now the main reason that you're here is because you and i used to work together a long time ago yeah that feels like Um, another life yeah yeah back in the android authority days i was more android authority you were more digit Mm -hmm. and you had a show which if i remember correctly was called the best tech show ever or the best weekly tech show ever. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, the best weekly tech show ever yeah so there i i was in new york forever and and i was mostly doing Mm -hmm. sketch comedy and then there was this crazy startup in san francisco that wanted someone to make tech fun and approachable and I feel strongly about that and I think that that's still something that's like not totally solved and it's yeah absolutely not uh you know especially as a woman like the the sites do still feel like pretty male bro centric you know and it's like it's interesting because like we're all using technology and then we don't really understand how or what goes into it or the things that it's you know changing yeah, we realize it when it's too late, everything that it's changed in mm-hmm. society, yeah. Okay, uh, so I, actually, uh, that was going to be one of my questions, is like, how did you end up working with it? Did you know somebody there, or did like they just reach out randomly, or did they say, hey, you're kind of funny, um, we'd like you to do this thing, or how did, yeah. that, how did that work? So when I was in New York, I created a bunch of comedy shows that mostly made fun of tech and internet culture. Um, I would say more on the internet culture side, so in particular, mm-hmm. one of the shows was called Blogalog. So it was like, it's, it's like, it's, it's fascinating actually how outdated it is now, but in, (laughs) yeah, but like in 2010, I was so fascinated by the fact that people were now essentially putting their diaries online, which when you think about it from the dawn of time until then, there was a joke about a diary is something you like keep under lock and key and you don't want anyone to read it. And then like suddenly right. everyone was just like putting their personal shit on the internet. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Cause I just did. Um, um, you are now. Okay, great. <laughs> so it was very fascinating to me. And, and as someone who's fascinated by stories and storytelling, it was interesting that stories used to really be controlled by politicians, reporters, uh, like official storytellers. And then storytellers yeah. started coming, stories started coming from everywhere. So a bit of a tangent, but so I was very fascinated by internet culture and how people were spilling their lives online. 
So I was doing these shows, but it reached, long story short, a tipping point where I kind of want to just, just get out of New York and try new things. And so I actually found that post just like I was randomly looking, I think it like LinkedIn or I don't think I even think it was at LinkedIn. It was like idealist or indeed jobs or something. And it was mm, the description okay. was like looking for someone who can make tech like fun and accessible. Um, mm. And that's something that I wanted to help do and so that job i don't know how much we're allowed to get into it because it was like a little bit of a shit show but like <laughs> it was a also lot of a shit very show. amusing because like <laughs> on the one hand they told me like do whatever you want like write funny scripts and so i wrote scripts like i did something about how like you had to i made up like fake products and you had to guess which one was real or fake and things like that but then like okay. the startup like didn't necessarily like have anyone to always edit or like get it up or whatever so mm. it was funny because i did feel like working there i was sort of like plopped into an episode of silicon valley where i was like oh, okay <laughs> like that yeah. show is a documentary i think not a comedy but yeah yeah well, so, okay, so a little, I don't know how much of the backstory you know, but yeah. Digit was actually a, a uh, sister site yes, to yes. Android Authority. Yes, which has been around for a um, long time and is very successful. Yeah. yeah. And and Digit has gone through, let's just say, a few different iterations yeah. of what they wanted Digit to be. At first it was going to, there were a lot of, I mean, I, I could tell you stories all, <laughs> I could tell you all the stories because I was there at the beginning of it and... Um, when uh, actually, when one of the one of the head folks at Android Authority, when I first started there, they were telling me we just got this great domain name. It's going to be amazing, and I'm like, oh yeah, what is it? And he's like, Digit, and I'm just like, oh, that's that sounds really you know easy to remember. He's, yep, D G I T. I'm like, right. that's a terrible idea. Well, any <laughs> any tech company needs to leave out at least one vowel. That's how it goes. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's also a branding problem. Right. No, it's and, a big problem. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and at the time, I was in a podcast called Techbeard, T-E-K-B-E-A-R-D. And like, damn, man, do you know how many listeners we lost from people looking for T-E-C-H? Mm. <laughs> it's just like, ah! Anyway, so that's why your podcast, Two Girls, One Podcast, is an amazing name. So, and, and, and it's, it's, it's hilarious and it's so appropriate and... Um, you know, it's funny. I I just started listening to it within the last few months. Like I knew it existed, and like and I knew that you were you know one half of the one half of the TG two G one P. I haven't quite gotten yeah. that done yet. Two G one P hosts, but you know it, it it didn't even occur to me that there like would be a tech angle to it until I like started listening to it. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So. Yeah, so that podcast, as you know, kind of runs the gamut. The idea is just looking at how the internet has allowed different trends to take off, groups of people to come together. So the mm -hmm. podcast is fun because we talk to like a shit ton of fetishists, but also like data scientists, you know what I mean? So right. um, so it's it's been very interesting and enlightening <laughs> in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I bet. And it, so, like, I want to kind of dive into the podcast a little bit mm -hmm. because I love the format of it. And it, to me, it's um, one of the one of the things that you have captured with that podcast is the evergreen nature of it. Like, you can talk about shoes now or you can talk about shoes in three months. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It's still going to be relevant. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I love that. And I wish 
I could come up with like an evergreen format, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. so I didn't have to like do news and I could do like, I could bang out like four shows at once, put them out and then be off for yeah. a month. But anyway. And tech is hard because <laughs> if you're going to go really deep into tech, obviously like it is changing faster than yeah. you can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm the idiot that chose news. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, but no, so I, I, I definitely dig the evergreen aspect of it. So kudos to that but like when you're when you're approaching a topic like um you just recently did oh, let's just stick with the shoes example you mm-hmm. you just talked to oh, i forget the name of the website the one of the proprietors of a website that like deals in the shoe trade basically like how do you how do you approach that like because uh, i'm assuming most of the time you're coming fairly blind mm-hmm. like you have you know, so like how do you how do you approach that like uh, I assume research is involved yeah. but like what's yeah. your what's your process yeah so process wise it starts with just reading a ton of newsletters and websites really um okay. what was interesting about the sneakerheads community is like sneakerheads are something that are very much IRL that have existed forever but our guest created StockX, which was basically like tracking the resale value of these shoes as though it was a as though they are commodities in the stock market. Um, okay. Yeah. So that was interesting to us because once again, he re- he really did a deep dive into the data behind all of this. Mm-hmm. So once again, it's sort of this weird. Um, nexus of the internet and real life coming together i mean it's funny because the podcast looks at internet trends but like arguably there is no difference anymore between like real life and online you know it's all right, one and the same. Right. so it's really just a lot of um I, I will say an issue with that we have with the podcast is that because the topics are so all over the place i think listeners <laughs> you know listeners might discover us because we covered um uh macrophilia you know which is a like a fetish for giantesses (laughs) um which is interesting because those kind of fetishes are actually very big online because you can do they're very fantastical so you can do a lot of art and like so Mm -hmm. someone might find us because of something like that and then next week we're looking at data you know what i mean so it is it is a little difficult in that sense but but it really runs the gamut i'm just i i Honestly, I'm just very interested also in human relationships and psychology to some extent. Like, I kind of joke that if I weren't doing performance and writing that I would, like, probably go, I'd probably go be a sex therapist. But I I just think it's, like, very fascinating the way, okay, I'm rambling, but the thing I think I like best about that podcast is that the stories are so often very similar where someone had this obsession whether it is a fetish or it's with sneakers or whatever it is, someone had some obsession and they thought that they were all alone. And then (laughs) they went on Reddit or some forum or whatever. And they found out, Oh wow, there's thousands or even millions of people like me. You are really not alone. Right. 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 Uh, So I like the idea that no one is alone. It's, it's definitely difficult though, because I also think that has fueled, things like QAnon, which we did an episode on. And actually, I think that might be one of my favorite episodes because we talked to, mm. I don't know if you've heard that one, but we spoke to someone who 
essentially lost her husband to QAnon. They're divorced now. I mean, he's alive. But mm. And then we spoke to someone who was a believer and found his way out. And so okay. it was actually three parts. And then the third one oh. was we actually talked. Wait. Oh, yeah. We talked to a cult deprogrammer. His name is Rick, okay. Rick Ross, actually. <laughs> No relation. Great to name. But um, we t- <laughs> spoke to a culty programmer, and we also spoke with Mike Rothschild, who is a journalist who is specialized in QAnon. So it's Ooh. interesting because these these really lovely sides where people find each other, but QAnon is definitely an example of this very very dark side where people find other people who believe in it as well, and therefore they think it is normal or okay. You know, there's a lot of confirmation bias happening on the internet, essentially. Really? Okay, <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Yeah, so. I don't say <laughs> what. So and. One thing I yeah. really like about the podcast is there's there's elements of humor in it too, obviously because you're a comedian. You're you're now you have a new partner, yeah. um, Lindsay, yeah. who is also a comedian. I, yeah. I we haven't gotten to know her as much as as uh, Jenna, but okay. So but and and what I think makes these topics so approachable is because you can do it through the guise of humor. Mm-hmm. So you can and and that's kind of like. That's kind of like how I like to do it, like because I talk about like you know tech news and tech reviews, and the thing is like that is dry stuff, mm-hmm. and like you can you can sit in front of a microphone and say it's so this. dry, but it makes me mad because I don't think it has to be, but it is right, and that's <laughs> yeah. the thing, and that's the thing. But like one of the challenges that you know that you have with a podcast, you know, both even with like the tech news site or with you with um with uh with the interviews that you do is you know most stand-up comedians have weeks or months or years to prepare new material whereas i kind of feel like and i'm sure you probably get this too like you've got one shot (laughs) you know because this is the topic that we're talking about today i'm never going to talk about this again with anybody so it's like if you're trying out you know you know trying to be funny you know, which which you which you and I both do. It's like you, you've got one chance to make it land, and if it doesn't work, then it's just gone. Yeah. So I just try to think of it honestly as a different medium. So it's podcasting. It's conversational. I'm excited whenever the jokes naturally happen, but it's mm-hmm. just for me the way I approach it is it's just a different art form than if you were doing sketch comedy or stand-up where you have to have a certain number of laughs per second, really. Um, right. So, and I, well, and also, yeah. And, and also with podcasting, you don't get that immediate feedback, like a room full of laughter. You yeah, know, who you knows really to, how it's going. Yeah, you, know? you just set it out there and you're hoping that it's landing, but honestly, you've already kind of moved on. But, uh, okay, so like, now you've had to going from sketch comedy into like an interview format you've had to kind of form yourself into being a journalist so like how did that process go was there any like night classes at university or something to uh, or are you just kind of winging it or how yeah. does that work i mean be honest no I'm that's a it. good question i'll tell you yeah <laughs> so a lot of what i've done in my career is kind of weird and doesn't really have a normal model or format, which I think has both hurt and helped me. But that's a personal story that we don't have to go into. But basically, like, for instance, so I think the, well, one thing I will say is if you are an avid listener of Two Girls, One Podcast and you listen from the beginning, like, I can't even bear to listen to some of the first ones because I'm like, oh, 
I, I see errors that I am making, right? So I hope that I have gotten better. There's um, an evolution there, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say, so I didn't take any like classes on interviewing, which perhaps I should have, but I will say that something that we have always tried to focus on in this podcast in particular is that a lot of the communities we speak with have been ridiculed in some way. Many of them. Mm, okay. Even if it's like pretty tech oriented, it's like, for instance, like Chris Dancy, who I think is so cool, who's like, um, he has a title as like the most, um, I don't know if, I forget what it is, but basically he is not exactly biohacking himself, but he has digitized essentially everything in his life. And he is like the most okay. online man in the world. He tracks literally everything, right? So it's hmm. a, a people that have been made fun of in some form, which I think is unnecessary. I think it's, um, from a comedy perspective, it's bad comedy. It's low-hanging low fruit to make fun of someone who's right. like doing something that's odd. So I will say that our approach on the podcast has always been... Let's let them speak. Our very first episode is furries, right? Which are like, no, we're notoriously ridiculed. And mm -hmm. I think it's much more interesting. <laughs> what do you mean were? Or are, right? Right. And I, yeah. I think it's much more interesting to just speak with someone and be empathetic and hear mm -hmm. what their story is and hear what their side is. And like anything that people think is weird is going to come out on its own own and I don't need to be an asshole and then make fun of it. You know what I mean? So, right. Oh, totally. So it's different. So and like it's comedy, but I don't think of it as comedy the way I approach, for instance, sketch comedy or the way I approach stand up. Um, mm -hmm. But they're very related. You know, I think, but yeah, it's been interesting. It's also like podcasting <laughs> is still, I mean, it's not new and it's also in some ways just like the renaissance of radio, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Podcasting is in a weird place right now because it's like, and like often when I'm writing out pitches to, you know, various, you know, people, you know, interviews and whatnot, I'll I'll usually put something to the effect of I have a podcast and then I'll put it in parentheses who doesn't and then, you know, right, right. and then continue continue on with the pitch because, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, self-deprecating humor is one of my one of the tools in my arsenal. Yeah. So uh, but like but getting back to the getting back to the you know, not, not picking on the low hanging fruit. One of the, one of my mantras I've actually gotten from the stuff you should know podcast and, uh, the hosts there, Josh and Chuck are usually very good at what they like to call not yucking somebody's yum. And so, and you know, it's just, it's, you know, when you have a, a community like that, like, like, you know, furries or anybody, you know, you, you, Give them a chance to to tell you why they're so passionate about it, because maybe there is something in there for you. Maybe I mean, maybe not to the same level, yeah. But maybe just maybe even if, if it's just a nugget of understanding, I, I'm totally on board with that. So, mm -hmm. but uh, so so awesome, well done, Anya. So <laughs> let's let's move on from the podcast a little bit. Um, you're you're also a stand up comedian, and you're in California. Is that right? Yeah. So, so how, how much of, of tech gets into your, your stand-up routines? It depends. I've done quite a bit of stand-up in San Francisco, in which case okay. I make fun of it a lot. Something Good. I will say that I love about San Francisco audiences is they are down. Like, I've made jokes in San Francisco <laughs> where I'm like, how is this going to go? Like, 
I, I actually love San Francisco. San Francisco, I think, gets shit on a lot. I love San Francisco. I love the people in San Francisco. Also, people say that tech has like ruined San Francisco and San Francisco is no longer weird. Like the weirdest things I've done, I did in San Francisco. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did a stand-up set at the Battery in San Francisco where I made so much fun of the investors in the room and, you know, I think I said something about, you know, every, I remember I made a connection to like them. This is a pre-pandemic song, remember, but it was something about like them not hiring right. women and have fun jerking off alone at your laptop. Like, but like I, I make a, I make a lot of, I definitely make a lot of jokes at tech about, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's so many, there, Tech is so ripe for it. I remember I also had a joke right. about like some woman requested her data from Tinder and they gave her 800 pages and she was like so upset about her privacy. And I'm like, the real point here is 800 pages of data and they haven't found your fucking match. You know what I mean? So like there's I just, know, seriously. <laughs> there's just, I think there's a lot to make fun of. So, but when I'm in LA or New York, it's a little different. I mean, there's, there's also so much that everyone is using that you can make fun of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, well, and dating sure, apps sure for sure. Like dating apps are ridiculous. Oh. I could talk about them all day. They're just like a fascinating human experiment. I think they're designed to fail. I think they could be designed to actually work, and they don't. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny. I actually met my wife on the internet, but not in a dating app. I actually met her through email. Okay, go on. So, oh, okay, all right. So you, you, we want we want the story. I do. I, I'm, I'm, I want to try to figure out how much I can Reader's Digest this. Okay. But uh, do, do you remember uh, Chain Letters back in the day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, send this to Back send in the day, my dad or? still sends them to me. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay, <laughs> I think they get filtered into spam for me. But, um, yeah, so send this to 10 people, and, you know, you'll get $10,000 by the end of the week, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I, back in the day, I hated Chain Letters because, you know, I was a purist. I knew what I was doing. Chain mm -hmm. Letters are for noobs, mm -hmm. right? And and this was back in the day before noobs was even a word, so like so I got a chain letter once and I deleted it, and about three weeks later I got the same chain letter, but this time it came from someone I had no idea who they were, uh -huh. and I'm like okay because you know the idea is you send a chain letter to ten of your contacts, so like who is this person? Why am I in their contacts? Mm -hmm. Okay, and what I figured out was. The chain letter was sent to the exact same people that it had been sent to a couple uh, three weeks ago. Like my brother was on the list, and like a couple of other people. And so what I what I figured out was the person who had sent me the chain letter went back through the headers and like grabbed email address, addresses from the headers mm -hmm. and then sent it to those same people. And I'm just like. First of all, I respect that because, like, you know, there's 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 a certain set of balls that's required to do something like that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I, you know, I went off and I'm like, oh, my God, you're, you, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why did you why would you ever do this? And blah, 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 blah. A, two paragraphs worth of, like, insults to my future wife. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so um, we got into a bit of an email war back and forth for several months. Okay, so you're saying I should be a troll, and that's how yes. I meet my husband. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm if, into if, it. If, I'm if, into if, it. Yeah. You know, it's okay. a tactic that I haven't tried before, and I'm willing to try anything at this point. So. Yeah, I mean, so I'm gonna start just harassing people on Twitter and seeing what happens. 
You could. I mean, you have been trying to beef up your Twitter presence, so that could be a way to do it. That could be a that could be a way to do it. Okay, so you're you're sending her antagonistic emails because nothing says romance like angry emails. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like uh, my boyfriend is going to beat you up. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, that was one of her replies. Okay. Maybe not obviously. There's nothing wrong with that. But anyway, um, so long story short, uh, a couple months later. My uh, a cousin of mine actually passed away, and I I put a quote uh, from his funeral in my signature because it was uh, what was it something like it's okay to do anything you want as long as you look good doing it mm-hmm. or something like that that like that that was something that my cousin was um wi- uh, was fr- fond of saying and you know so I put like you know R I P blah 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 and so for some reason she said oh. Hey, looks like, you know, someone you know died. And so I'm sorry to hear about that. I'm like, oh, thank you. And then we started emailing each other, not hate, for a few months. And long story short, we met, we fell in love, and the rest is history. That's lovely. And and, and insane, but I'll take the lovely compliment. <laughs> well, but you know what I think that is a really great example of? How, in, in many ways, the real online mimics the real world, right? So in the oh, yeah. olden days, perhaps you would have like, you're in a small, you're, I don't know, you're in a village, you're in a college campus, whatever, and you keep running <laughs> right. into this person and then there's these little shifts that happen and essentially that's how yeah. it played out. But it's also yeah. interesting to think like, well, if you hadn't put that at the bottom of your email, would the conversation have shifted or not? Right. And I think we were both getting sick of being assholes to each other so but why why um, did you continue to respond and be assholes i feel like you both knew something was there even when you were being assholes you know what i mean because like if a stranger was being an asshole to me i'd probably block or delete right yeah and well i see that's the thing is back then that wasn't a thing yeah i don't even think they had filter lists back then. this is 1996 oh shit okay okay there's there's a one at the start of this year okay just so we're just clear like how old this is. Like, we both <laughs> were using email accounts that were issued to us by our schools. Right. So, actually, no, that's that's even weird. That's that's not a weird thing anymore. But at the time, that was weird. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, like, yeah, so it was, like, so super old school. And, and and yeah, and, I, and at the time, people kept saying, man, you got to go on Oprah or something. Like, because it was just such a weird thing to do. And then, yeah. like... You know, years later, people started like actively trying to meet each other online. And we're like, we got that down. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's so interesting actually yeah. that shift as well. Like, I remember I had an older cousin who started online dating in the '90s, and it was like considered very strange. And then, boom, it switched and was like completely normal. And now, when you meet someone who's met not through the internet, it's like, oh my god, that's the weird part. <laughs> you, met right? a, you met at a party, like what? So yeah, I yeah, and 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 that was actually like from what I remember, that was a fairly quick switch too. Like mm-hmm. it was like nobody dating, nobody dating, nobody. Everybody's everyone. online. Yeah, Whew. I agree. I mean, and, it felt like it happened and, overnight. Yeah, and thank God I never had to deal with that. You are so because, lucky oof. you never had to deal with it. It is oh. it is a zoo out there. I have I have no doubts. And you know what? I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I, I feel bad for my son and daughter because, you know, my son's 14. Mm-hmm. So he's probably like a couple years away from a dating app. 
but like you know he's still got high school yeah to work with mm-hmm. you know but like after that you know who knows if he doesn't go to college he's gonna have to be on a dating app and i feel bad for him i legitimately feel bad for him. i know it's weird because like i just wasn't even necessarily thinking about it in my early 20s but as an old lady i'm like meet your husband in college because after that it's a fucking shit show <laughs> i know right then you have to go like yeah. i mean do people even go to bars anymore i don't even know I, like, I don't even know how this works i mean i'm a bad one to ask because in case you couldn't tell from the podcast like i love weird experiences so right and now it's it's we're still kind of in pandemic mode like uh, but yeah i don't really drink because i have severe insomnia and it is the worst but um but yeah at, bars are not interesting to me like i'm so much more interested in going to like a strange show or art opening or event um but yeah i think people go to bars i think they do that okay <laughs> i've right. heard good to know i've heard from yeah people yeah. that are cooler than me yeah Speaking of the pandemic, how has that affected your performance career? Has have are you recovering yeah. at this point? Yeah. Or? So okay. I actually can't, I can't complain because I have been okay. okay, and it's definitely not ideal. I very much like I was always on stage, always on stage, and the idea that I wasn't going to be on stage for a year—it was almost like. Uh, I kind of joke that I like bottled it up. Is that healthy? I just bottled it up, bottled it up. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Up. What could go wrong? But I just don't, I can't even really think about the idea of like, I don't know. I got vaccinated and I got back on stage. My, I do, I do have some news. The contract isn't signed, so I can't say anything yet. But I do have some okay. news that happened during the pandemic that I'm very excited about. And so I can't complain. Nice. You know what I mean? Like I'm fine. I'm nice. I'm fine if the contract the contract should get signed like in the next week or so, so I'm okay. But definitely, <laughs> as long as that happens, I'm yeah, good. But definitely, I miss getting back on stage, and I do want to say it's been so hard for performers. If you have performers in your life, like support them however you can. Patreon, buy them dinner, whatever. Because I have, I'm glad that I left New York when I did, and part of why I worked for that crazy um, digit where we met is digit, that yeah. Part of it was me looking ahead at life in theater and sketch comedy, which is what I was doing. And it's like, wow, you could be at the pinnacle and you're not making much money. And and then fast forward a few years. I mean, granted, it's so unprecedented, but I have many friends who were considered like pretty successful. Like they were gigging, they were paying their bills through theater. All of theater mm-hmm. shut down and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, so now they're in their 30s and they're moving back in with their parents and they left New York. Or I have a friend who started, who's so talented and he's like doing gardening, you know what I mean? Because there's no yeah. work and things are just starting to come back, but the industry's really hurt. So even the things that are coming back, a lot of theaters have closed, but even if they haven't, they're doing fewer or smaller productions. So it's really... Yeah. It's really a mess, but it also begs this like larger existential question that I have, which is like stage versus internet, digital, podcasting, TV. Yeah. You know, um, I, I love performing live more than anything, but like it's not it's not a great stable income. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So pandemic's well, yeah. been rough, but I can't personally complain because I've been okay. And I've been doing Zoom shows. They're not my jam, but they're nice to be rehearsing, developing new material. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and, and, and it's a good way to, you know, develop new material. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to you about being a comedian as if I have ever done this ever in my life. And I never have. Yeah. So, like, uh, you know, I'm talking about, like, working on your sets and, you know, doing writing. I don't yeah. know. I and don't I, know and I've gotten a lot of writing done in the pandemic as well. But definitely, like, it hurts to not be on stage all the time. But it's and, and I, I But I've also noticed that the pandemic created some of my own fears where I'm actually, last week, I was like, you know what? I need to push myself. I need to go see shows. I need to get back out there. Because I also moved to L.A. right before the pandemic. So I'm in this Mm. weird position where I'm not new to L.A., but I feel brand new and I don't know anyone. So I'm like, oh, I need to get back out there and do all the things that I meant to do when I I moved I have a friend of mine who moved to New York like a month before the pandemic started. That fucking sucks. Yes, it does. Because honestly, the other reason why I can't complain is because my family, everyone I know is still in New York. And being in New York for the pandemic sounds literally miserable and i have been in la where it's fabulous outside and the they have beaches i I live by the beach and as a former east coaster like it blows my mind every day so it's like yes it's a global pandemic but like i walk to the beach i look at the flowers (laughs) but you know what if the big one ever hits you're the first one into the ocean Oh, the earthquake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I actually have some pretty active fears around global warming, and I think we're all fucked, so... Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally get that. You know what? It's funny. My... As long as I've known my wife, she has never wanted... She has actively resisted going to California because she's always been convinced that the second she steps foot into California, the big one's going to hit and we're all going to fall into the ocean. So, and this, this year, this summer, we were actually supposed to go to LA for two weeks for a vacation. And I like actually talked her into it and we ended up having to cancel it anyway. But still, I I spent this entire summer um, planning and then canceling vacations. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Delta COVID will do that great. to you. Oh yeah, we have a lot of mm-hmm. we have a lot of anti vaxxers here too in LA. It's just, it's not great. Oh, that's that's not awesome. It's not awesome. But it's not awesome. Well, Delta's already been through our house, so oh, interesting. Oh yeah, I'm okay. I am a breakthrough statistic. Really? See, I yes. think there's way more breakthrough cases than are being reported. Because well, yeah. Because how and, would and, you report and, it, right? Like you can go get a COVID test at CVS and do it yourself at home. Like how would that get reported? But I do think that people. Oh, the CDC knows. Yeah. If you if you do a if you do a drive through test, they know because we had the well the Chicago equivalent of the CDC was calling us for like follow ups and mm. telling us like you know stay home and yeah and yada yada yada. But like you know my uh, so I I fall under the obese category of high risk COVID mm-hmm. and my wife is diabetic. So like if the two of us had not been vaccinated, I don't even want to think about what it right. Would have and been that's to us. that's the really important part. Yeah, because I know, I know anti vaxxers that are like, well, there's so many breakthrough cases. Says, why would I get why would I get the vaccine now and it's like well you still will have it not as bad you know so right. glad to hear that right. you were vaccinated before getting it and my friend Ryan is on and uh, we used to we used to podcast together but uh, he's uh, he's currently living in Florida so he's like in the oh the worst case scenario of the United States when it comes to COVID yeah so Sorry, Ryan. Pour one out for you, brother. I can't decide what's worse right now, Florida or Texas. I think it's Texas. But, like, Florida really... It might be. Florida really held that spot for a long time. And Texas is just really getting up there with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing a hashtag Texidus now, which I'm kind of into. 
There you go. Yeah. Okay. I I have I have not seen that before. Oh, you'll but see that it. Might be, that might be might be good material for the uh, for the next <sighs> show. So it's so sad. You know, yeah. I wanted to talk about um, blogologs a little bit. Do you ever see that making a uh, a, a resurgence in the stand up circuit over out in L A? There, you think? Do you? Well, do you have some blogologs in you? So anymore? what we Cause... so what we used to do is we would perform like Craigslist posts, Reddit threads, and we would yeah. take them really out of the box. So maybe they'd become a musical number or something like that. And I think it was a really interesting time when we started doing it because it was so new. I remember at our first show. We have this like weird faux intermission where we played like Charlie bit my finger and like the double rainbow guy. <laughs> and when you think about That's amazing. it, yeah. And I remember the audio went out. And so as a performer, you're like a backstage, like, oh my God, the audio's out, like disaster. And the audience filled in every single sound effect and word. And it was really awesome. wild. It was almost like this weird religious thing where you had this crowd of people just like chanting things at a screen but it was it was it was really <laughs> fascinating though because like the internet was a very different place right where everyone saw the same viral videos back then mm -hmm. and had this like shared experience and now i feel like it's almost too big and too fragmented but we also through doing that show saw some of the major shifts when things for instance moved from text to being more image based which was then mm, okay a, not a problem for us but you know, we were performing harder. words, you know what I mean? And yes. so, but it was interesting to like see that shift from text to images to video being what's more popular. But I, I don't I don't think that show is necessarily relevant now. And so mm. and I I loved that see, show, but I I would have thought they, yeah. that anti vaxxers and you know the last four years of the president uh, presidency would have been like low hanging fruit for for Maybe. something like blogologs. We also <laughs> saw the internet kind of get darker, right? Like in the early yeah. in in two thousand tens that era, it was very exciting. Like we're you know Facebook connecting the world, and then we saw it get dark. So our last shows were in twenty sixteen. Um, mm -hmm. and we were performing stuff from Breitbart and it was like darkly yeah. comedic, which was really fun, but really fucked up. So, I mean, you're right. right. I mean, maybe, maybe it could be revived in a new form, but I also kind of, um, want as a performer to know when perhaps things have done their better time to, you know better to trade away a player too soon than too late right I see. right so, so okay. i think there are new projects to be made something i think mm -hmm. the thing that i um dislike the most about the pandemic is how it's hard for me as a performer to be inspired because usually i am creating something selling it into some other form and then i'm i already have an idea for the next thing i want to create and that's been something that's very hard in the pandemic like usually i'm already on my way to creating my next event or show or something like that um okay but no not right now <laughs> right but i'm hoping right. well, to be inspired somewhere soon and I think one—I don't know that we've actually explicitly said this, mm -hmm. but Blogologs was basically per, you were performing verbatim, word for word, things that you found on the internet. Yes. Like, so I have long been thinking about, and I just can't can't quite get myself to pull the trigger on it. But doing dramatic readings of um, of um, of um, 
the the thing where you where you you rate things, uh, restaurants <laughs> and stuff. What is that called? Yelp. Yelp. Yeah. I've I want I've long wanted to do like a, just a brief segment of like dramatic readings yeah. of Yelp. Reviews. It's very funny. There are other um, groups that have done it since then. I, I'll send it yeah. to you later because I'm blanking on the name. But there was there was at one point a group that went viral for just reading Yelp reviews super dramatically. But yeah, I mean, okay. I still think there's a lot of comedy to be mined. I, I at this point in my life slash career I'm very interested in some sort of comedic project that like teaches people how to communicate again because I think it's like gone so off the rails um, okay but I'm not sure what that is yet okay yeah uh, any um any interest in pursuing further YouTube projects or do you have I I actually I'm I'm tear I shouldn't I shouldn't admit this but I haven't done my research do you even have a YouTube channel no it's a great point? question so it's something that many people have scolded me for for about a decade that I need okay. more digital content. And it's like pretty ironic because I love looking at the internet and internet culture. But I think because I love looking at that, there's a part of me that like it. doesn't want to <laughs> go there and loves live stuff. But it's definitely yeah. something that I need to to work on just because that's the world we live in to be a performer that doesn't right. have a large online presence is actually very problematic. So, yeah. And, um, if I remember correctly from your, one of your latest shows, I don't know if it was the latest or not, but, um, your, your partner Lindsay was going around giving, um, awards to people oh that, she had, that she that had, that she had made. That. Yeah. And, and so like, uh, just to give a little bit of context, I don't want to, I don't want to give away the farm, go listen to the two girls, one podcast so you can hear it for yourself. Yeah. But they, uh, they got, some some trophies and they made like best fourth person in line and they would like go up to the fourth person in the line and hand them the trophy and like celebrate them and clap mm -hmm. them and one of the follow-up questions was oh did you film it and mm -hmm. she's like well we probably should have but at the same time we just wanted to kind of enjoy the moment so it's tough, and I, yeah. I think there's there's a there's a uh, you know my kids watch so much youtube and like, you know, there, there are all these families that are out there that do all these, you know, this goofy stuff, you know, they do, uh, you know, 24 hour challenges in a pool or, you know, um, a yes day for 24 hours, which by the way, I will never give my children a yes day. <laughs> I, I need to make that explicitly clear and as much as possible because maybe it's a failing for me as a parent, but I can only imagine the effed up stuff that they would ask for. Yeah. But anyway, so like, but they, these families, they do this and it's like, you know, on the one hand, it looks like they're just doing it for fun and it's all fun and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, at a certain point, they're planning this stuff. Like they're planning out, you know, maybe they're calling it a yes day, but I promise you they have scheduled out every hour of that 24, like, now I'm going to fall into the pool and it's going to be hilarious. And then like after that, I'm going to get out and I'm going to find out I don't have any extra underwear. So I mean, like it's, you know, they've, they've planned this stuff out and it's, it's actually kind of, you know, it, you have to assume if you're, you know, a negative person like me, that this is all planned out, yeah. that this is all staged. Well, it's not like, even you know, negativity. It's just like when you think about if anyone's if you've ever participated just for the audience in a film project there is so much mm -hmm. that goes into it and so much oh yeah <laughs> also in the post-production side with editing and everything that it's tough to imagine that these are very organic oh yeah. yeah yeah i mean like realistically and you know i 
obviously I, you know, I plan this podcast, you know, as much as possible. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what my guests are going to say, but I have a good idea as to what we're going to talk about. And, you know, most of the rest of the show is scripted. So like, I'm a control freak when it comes to stuff like that. I could never just like organically let stuff happen just because like, you know, I want to have an idea that it's going to be somewhat entertaining. So, and that's why I brought out Alison Goldberg because I knew she would be immensely entertaining for everybody. So, um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I think I've probably kept you about as long as I said I would. Mm-hmm. So we can go ahead and yeah. start wrapping things up. Uh, first of all, I want to go ahead and uh, just for, roll out the red carpet for you. Let everybody know where they can find you on the socials. If you have any, you know, projects coming up that you want to that you want to pimp, yeah. you know, by all means, the floor is yours. Yeah. So tell us everything we need to know about Allie. So as we just discussed, I hate social media, but I'm trying to get better at it. So I'm at Allie underscore Goldie, A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I across platforms. You can also visit AllisonGoldberg.com, which is where I will list upcoming shows. And I do have a project that I want to announce, but it's the contract isn't signed <laughs> and I feel like I shouldn't, but right. stay tuned for that. I, I feel like we should have done this a week from now, just so you we could have like had the breaking news. Yeah, but, yeah. I'll tell you but. when we're done recording, though. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. I'll be and I'll be watching the Discord too, and I, and I can definitely mention it on upcoming shows. And actually, this probably isn't going to air until like the fifteenth. So no, no, no. It's okay. You don't have to. But anyway, um, okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for making tech funny. Thank you for making it. accessible and thank you for inspiring this show in a fairly roundabout way but i mean like you were you are definitely one of the catalysts that brought benefit of the doubt to the uh to the airwaves so thank thank you you much for that for having a great and punny name Oh, I appreciate I mean, come for the pun, stay for the comedy. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Beyond a Doubt. And I want to thank you once again, Allie, for coming on and being awesome with us. And I want to thank everybody else for watching and for giving us the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>